What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Casey, and we are discussing episode five of The Walking Dead. The title is Out of the Ashes. And y'all gonna stop scaring us at the beginning of these episodes because that dream Aaron had. <laughs> and you know, it took me a minute because when, when I saw he saw the wolf, Girl, wait a minute. And that's what made me know it was I said, okay, this is the dream. Because the like, wolves was it took me a minute. And I was like, girl was like, wait, did one of them get away? Like, what are we looking at? And then when the Xavier came up and started whistling, I said, Oh, this has to be a dream. Because first of all, I don't think Aaron would have Gracie out in the woods just by themselves anyway. That seemed suspect. But I was like, okay, y'all are trying to tell us something because everybody's having all these weird dreams. You know, Rosita is dreaming about Abraham and now Aaron is dreaming about all the collective enemies that they've had over the last few years. Okay, what are y'all trying to tell us, Walking Dead? Just tell me now. Because y'all about to start having me real paranoid. Playing with us is what they matter then. So... Aaron wakes up from his dream. He sees that Gracie is safe, sleeping next to him. Then we see Jerry tiptoeing over everybody in the house. And I was like, why is everybody? Oh, that's right. They have people from two more communities there. So everybody's having to shack up because I keep remembering um, Alexandra was not a fully developed community when the world fell so they only had like a certain number of houses and we know some of those houses got destroyed by the saviors and stuff like that so I was like okay so they're having to share space I understand that Jerry's kind of tiptoeing through the house trying not to wake anybody up so he can go you know take his morning piss and as he's doing this he sees that there is a walker in the community and of course he wakes everybody up They've breached the walls. They've breached the walls. And there's just (sighs) walkers already in the community. One of them is snacking on some random person. Not snacking. (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, he's laying on the ground, guts everywhere, just having a snack. But here's my question. Who was manning the wall? Right. Who was supposed to be on duty? Right. Because the walls are not stable, so you know they have to have someone on guard duty. Who was on duty? Who let all of those walkers? There were like at least a dozen of them inside the walls. Who let right. them in? Look, I'm gonna need y'all to tell these new people that they are gonna have to step it up. And then, even if the person wasn't watching, you didn't hear that damn wall fall unless your house mm-hmm. on the other side. Far, far, far. Which it could be because they they ran. Yeah, because you saw them running. So, of course, they're having to try to fix the wall while walkers are coming in. So they're fighting the walkers. They're trying to push the wall up. It, it, It was just so much. And I was just like, where is everybody? And I keep forgetting we have people in the Commonwealth. We have people on Maggie's mission. And it's just like, they don't have the numbers that they used to have, or at least they don't have the strong body of numbers, I guess, you know, the, however I'm trying to word that they, it just seems very (sighs) slim pickings. Yeah. And the people that they do have probably ain't necessarily 
the strongest or the, you know, the best fighters, the best, you know, because they take all those people when they go on their missions. So what's left behind right. is just, you know, you have one or two strong people, like you got a Rosita and you got Aaron and you got Carol. But for the most part, the 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 people people, you know, who is usually our main people, are all off somewhere. So it's like, I'm gonna need you people yeah. to be on. What they need to do is get back on. Remember when um Deanna was and, yes. and she had her plans on how the community should be. That's what the hell they should be doing again. You know what I mean? So they know that somebody's because she had people man in their gates. You know, they they were living under an illusion, but they still had, you know, things in place to make sure, you know, that their community was running smooth. Right. And I think even though they have the council, they kind of lost a leader. So they really don't have a leader over them. Right now, yeah. So so that's probably part of the problem too, though. Yep. But the other thing I'm thinking is, of course, the people who we all saw running, that was everybody who was in Jerry's house or Aaron's house or whoever's house they were. So there might be people in other houses who were asleep and didn't hear the commotion going right. on. You know, it's just, you know, Jerry and Aaron, those are two of the strongest people in the community. They had a house full of people and they were like, yo, we got to go. Right. And as you see, they took off. So Maybe they didn't even stop to think, okay, let's go wake these people up. Let's go wake these people up. Cause that would have taken more time right? and that would have allowed more walkers to get in. So that could have been what that was. Too. Right. And they made Jerry stop but, mid P. You know how hard that is. <laughs> you know how hard that is. Stop mid P. Oh Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, clearly that was also meant to show us that they need help. You know, and I, you know, it's mentioned later on in the episode and we'll get to it. Aaron talks about how they have to try to save Alexandria. You know, it's still salvageable. At this point, I'm like, dude, I don't know. You know, we talked about last week seeing Rosita in Commonwealth gear and whether or not they Uh went there. I'm starting to think that maybe they did and maybe they had to because I don't know if Alexandria is going to be feasible for much longer. Right. Or not even that. My thought was, since, you know, even though this happens later in the episode, you know, we see everybody got arrested. So, you know, Rosita, in her mind, she knows that they're mm-hmm. alive. So now I haven't heard nothing else. They do haven't kind of, you know, what's going right. on. So now, you know, our, our people in Commonwealth know the war is over. Yeah, they do know. And so now they know that's not the threat. They still need help because they don't have food, but I don't even really think that message really mm-hmm. got through. I don't think so. Um, but Rosita, you know, headstrong as she is, is going to be like, no, nah, something wrong. They made it. So now we got to see, you know, some kind of way that's what's going to happen. I, 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 I Does she it. even know where they went? That's the question. I don't remember if Eugene actually said where they were going. Hmm. So I don't know. We'd we'd have to look back. That's a question for another day. But speaking of the Commonwealth, that part of the episode starts with this little commercial that looks like it came from the 80s and it's on VHS. And it was it was weird looking at this commercial because Mm -hmm. it's all all of that was filmed post apocalypse so this is what the town looks like 
and I understand that but the way that dude was coming across it was kind of creepy it was like one of those hey come join our cult type things especially yes. with the way parts of the tape that were a little distorted I was just like this is not giving me good vibes at all <laughs> come join my cult drink the Kool-Aid <laughs> uh-huh. And just but you to, know what? Eugene is sticking to his guns, though. Like, who we need to talk to? Because we're not staying. Like, we got to go. We, we can't see Eugene is trying about. to get back to his people. Period. Eugene, you know, he 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 that sleeper you got to worry about because you think everything all good and then your gun going to blow up in your hand. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I don't know. that Eugene is not one for, you know, he weird, but nah. He ain't about to play I mean, with you. Yeah, but I mean, it's just that whole infomercial was just so. I was looking at it like, run, run, y'all, run. Even the way Yumiko was looking at first, and then she said Pamela Milton. I kind of wonder if that's a name that she's familiar with because, again, I'm not a comic reader, so I'm not familiar with the Commonwealth. But the way she said it, she was like, wow, Pamela Milton. Yeah. And then she was looking like she was in awe, like she knows who this person was. Mm. So I wonder, is this someone who was a leader prior to the fall? You know, kind of like Deanna was in, what did she say she was? She was in Congress? Yeah. Or something before yeah. the fall. So maybe Pamela Milton is someone similar. Maybe she was in leadership before everything fell. And that's why this little community, I, well, excuse me, I can't even say little community. They have 50,000 people. That's not little at all. At but all. maybe that's why it runs as well as it does. Right. After they watch this orientation video, they are given an envelope that has their boarding information and I guess their job assignments in the Commonwealth. And then, of course, Princess gets her $2 bill back. And- <laughs> And it's so funny because Eugene is like, um, yeah, we weren't planning on staying here. So I need to know who to talk to. And, you know, the guy who's there, he's like, well, you have to talk to your supervisor and all this other stuff. And it's so funny because Yumiko doesn't actually get an assignment. You know, Princess is asking, what did you get? And she's like, I got retail clerk and Ezekiel got animal control. And that's probably why they asked all those questions. And, you know, Yumiko says mine isn't really an assignment. And it says, dear Miss Akamura, we would certainly enjoy meeting you and discussing opportunities within our great community. Please report to the Office of State Affairs at your earliest convenience. And I'm like, oh, Yumiko is about to be given an important job, you know, again, because one, she's already told them she was an attorney. Two, she's already told them how educated she is. And three, she called them out on their bullshit during that last intake session she had. So they're like, oh, this is somebody we want on our side. Hello, if they're smart. And she's a fighter. Right. And you see, it had to be something important because when she went to go ask the young man about it, he was kind of brushing her off, asking her, well, what what does it say on your letter? And it doesn't say anything. It's from the Office of State Affairs. He was like, oh, yes. How may I help you? Like, oh, your attitude just changed changed real quick. But, you know, this is the funny thing about the Commonwealth 
that I am noticing in comparisons to what we've seen with the rest of the groups and the rest of the communities over the last several years or in their time, the last 10, 11 years. The Commonwealth seems to be run the same way everything was run prior to the fall. Uh And our groups, they've always had a sense of um, leadership or dictatorship or, (laughs) you know, just trying to come together with the communities to create community guidelines and standards for them to follow. But it wasn't anything as strict as what we've seen in the Commonwealth. And it's just, it's really curious to me because the Commonwealth seems to be trying to go back to the way things were. And if you think about it, the way things were, weren't really all that great. I mean, the way things mm-hmm. were is one of the reasons why the world fell in the first place, because right. whatever they were doing in the CDC or whatever they figured out in terms of what causes everyone to turn, they didn't share that information with anyone. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about the way that guy spoke to Yumiko before he knew that she received this piece of paper from the Office of State Affairs. It's the attitude of classism, too. Like, oh, you just got yep. here. You're not anybody important. Go, go talk to, go your, talk to your supervisor. And as we see, as they talk um, during the episode, it can be weeks before they can even get to a supervisor. I mean, customer service is shitty then, too. Right. I mean, at least here, you might have to be on hold for an hour or two, but at least it's in the same day. They're talking about, oh, it might be five to six weeks before I see a supervisor. Excuse me? Who has that kind of time? I mean, I guess in the zombie apocalypse, I guess they do, but who wants to wait six weeks for an answer? Right. Especially our group Uh, who's not used to waiting for stuff like that. And they ain't got six weeks. They don't, but I don't know. It was just really interesting to look at that and to see how certain people treat them because even later on in the episode when they get in trouble the guy who's talking to them as they're being apprehended when when Eugene is like look we did this for a reason we just need to speak to someone you could tell it to the judge you know it was just just very I I don't know condescending very condescending even and I, I've heard some fan theories about this. We'll go into that later. But even when Eugene and Stephanie were at the ice cream truck and the lady came up and she was supposed to be, I guess she's uh, Governor Milton's assistant. And she came and picked up the little tray of all the ice creams. And Eugene said something to her. And she just looked at him and didn't say anything. No, I don't No, I have a different theory. Uh, well, okay, let me hear your theory because I know what the fan theory is. I think the lady he's with now is not Stephanie. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Okay, I think yeah. the girl who he said to Rocky Road, and she was like, you know, because that's something probably they talked about over their, you know, conversations. Yeah. So the girl who picked up the ice cream was Stephanie. Yeah. I think. That's what a lot of people are thinking. Just the way he asked her, you know, is that Rocky Road? And you could tell she was like, you know, kind of like, oh, oh it's you you know but of course she can't say nothing right that i that ain't really me but that i bet that ended up being stuff the rocky road chick is yeah Stephanie. that's that's what a lot of people were thinking i was like hmm because you know i've been trying to place like i haven't had time to go back and watch any of the older episodes but i've been trying to place like is that really her voice I don't think that's what's, you know, the girl who he's hanging out with now thinking that's Steph, uh, Stephanie. I don't think that's what she sounded like. I don't think so either. 
And my thought is, you know, when you, at that point, when you, um, you know, he's so excited and, and, you know, he ain't paying attention. But at first, my first thought was that he was, because he, he was kind of apprehensive when she first came around. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe he realizes that's not her. But then he started telling her shit. So I'm like, dumb. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but the girl who is Stephanie may not be Stephanie. <laughs> kind of like father, not the father. Stephanie, not Stephanie. I don't know. She seems like she seems like she has an interest in him though. And I don't know if it's just because he's different from anybody else that she's met or if it's because maybe she was there when the maybe real Stephanie was talking to him. But she seemed kind of genuinely like she wanted to help, especially when they got arrested and um, the guy who was on the videotape came in and was like, let them go. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I don't know because no. even at the end when that happened and um you know like I said it seemed like they were going to get some kind of reprieve maybe just a little bit and then she said no everything has a cost or something to that effect uh-huh because she came in with the guy who was on the videotape Hornsby that's his name I don't know if he's like part of the government or something but he seemed real important cuz he walked in and he told that guy to let them go. And the guy was like, Mr. Hornsby, I can't. They're awaiting trial. And he turns and he looks at him. He was like, do not move them. And he walks out like, I'm about to go handle this. That's what he says. I'm going to find Mercer. And Stephanie, not Stephanie, is standing there. <laughs> That's what her name is going to be now. Stephanie, Stephanie, not Stephanie. Not Stephanie. Right. So once they realized who he was, she comes in and she says, Hornsby is someone that you guys can trust. And then when Eugene says, thank you, she says, don't thank me yet. He might be able to stop you from being banished, but it won't be scot-free. You'll have to pay for what you've done one way or the other. So if he can keep them from being banished, okay, good. But is he going to be the person that can get them the help that they need? Like, is he going to say to them, okay, we can help you, but you have to be completely honest with us. What's going on? Where are you from? And is that when they're going to tell them, okay, look, this is what is going on. We have people back home that we are trying to help. They're starving, but I mean, they may be able to put the pitch up. They're good fighters. They're good scavengers. This is what happened. We had a war with these people who were walking around in these masks, (laughs) hurting the dead, and we won. But now our people are starving. And maybe that's something that they'll be able to say to get them some help. Maybe they'll say, okay, well, your people need to come to us or something to that effect. I mean, think about it. The Commonwealth, with all of the stuff that they have, you know that they have weapons, they probably have vehicles, they probably have military type vehicles where they can actually go to Alexandria and bring these people here and fortify that city. Because I mean, think about it. We're still trying to figure out, is the Commonwealth a part of the CRM? I don't think so. I I do think they're a separate entity. But if they're a separate entity, are they possibly at war with each other or are they, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because think about it, the CRM in and of itself, they have 200,000 people. Maybe the Commonwealth needs more people, needs more fighters. You know, they could be trying to build up society in their own way, just like the CRM is. 
And if you're going to do that, you're going to need people that you can use. Again, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago in terms of Negan and Megan and all this stuff. People are a resource, you know? Right. If you have people who are intelligent, who are strong, who can do the things that we know our group can do, but they're out there on the outskirts struggling to survive, they're not doing anybody any good. Think about it. Right. Yumiko is an attorney or was an attorney, which means she's hella intelligent. She knows a lot about Mm -hmm. the law. She may be able to help them restructure for the future. Eugene built a radio out of parts. They made him a teacher. They made him a teacher. But even, but what I'm saying is think about it. As smart as he is, Mm -hmm. he had us fooled that he was a doctor (laughs) for how long? And the stuff that he knows, he knows because he read them and he picked it up and he was able to grasp that. You know what I'm saying? He can probably teach other people now. Him with students, I don't know how that's going to (laughs) work, but okay. But what I'm saying is, you know, these people have a lot of things going for them. Rosita, she's the type of person where listening to her talk with Sasha about how she got to be there. Maybe she wasn't educated like Yumiko was, but she Mm -hmm. knows how to pick up things. She's a quick learner. She knows how to fight. She knows how to defend people. That's something that they can use too. So that might be something that our group, Ezekiel, Yumiko, Princess, and Eugene have to give to the Commonwealth and say, hey, we do have these people back home that we would like to bring here. We have children. We have babies. You know, this might be their way into saving their people. Mm. I just don't know yet how much I I, trust it. Okay, my thought. The difference between this people and the CRM, like the CRM wants the like they they were trying to get the girls to leave they wanted hope's mind Mm -hmm. not realizing that they needed both of the children but either way so they their method is let me give you this this false sense of urgency for you to leave and then we coming in we slaughtering all your people with the with the I'm just saying Mm -hmm. and but with the commonwealth you're giving this facade of oh it's rainbows and butterflies here you can be you know it's it's come on in to the other side you know because you have to know with something that good Mm -hmm. ice cream shops and bakeries and schools not not so much school but you know all these pleasantries of the old world the creature comforts yes Mm-hmm. Is something underlying there that's probably way more, they're probably more dangerous than the CRM. Oh, probably so. I wouldn't doubt it. Probably way more. Like I even said, though that they video, have, that video was so creepy. It was kind of like, yeah, like you said, just kind of drawing you in, like hypnotizing you. Like, yes. Do you miss the way that things were before? Would you like to have fresh baked goods and sleep in your own bed and blah, 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 blah play in the park and frolic and have picnics and yeah it that video was really weird and then the little girl who ran up and stood next to him with that big cheesy smile that toothy smile I was like if that doesn't look like a stepford daughter I don't know what is honey it's it's something it's something going on on there we I mean I, I clearly we're gonna find out but yeah that ain't 
it, it, it might be in the position Rosie to go have to say them because they can't leave. Right. You know what? Even though you were talking about you was gonna banish somebody and move you somewhere far away from it, well, put me out there. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's way more to this Commonwealth. I'm sure we're gonna find out. And then apparently, or it sounds like to me, even though Mercer, he has way more authority when than we think. Mm-hmm. You That's know what, what I mean? It sounds like yes, yeah. Like he has way more um, something, even though he seems like he's just like a regular, you know, uh, officer, I guess you would call them. He has something. I, yeah. I don't know what it is yet. I'm sure we'll find out or princess will find out because he's chiseled. So Girl. it must be a okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk since you brought it okay, up. Okay. Let's talk about it now. We're just going to go on ahead and get all the Commonwealth stuff out the way. Okay. Yeah. Princess and her flirting. First of all, it was so, it was awkward in a way, but was it just me? And I know what I've heard that supposedly Princess and Mercer do kind of hook up or whatever, but was it just me? And without that, that kind of knowledge, was Mercer like picking up what she was putting down? Yes, he was. Because when she, when girl, when, when she said, you have beautiful eyelashes. The way he closed his eyes, he kept yeah. them eyes closed just a little bit too long. <laughs> Girl, what I tell Honey, you. He was like, see my eyelashes. I was <laughs> falling out watching this scene. Uh, it was <laughs> incredible. But you know what it is? Because he has to keep that I'm tough persona up all the time but mercer threw the first shot when he gave her that two dollars back right but no she, he did, I mean, all he did it first she, all this stuff she's saying to him your chiseling is perfect he's like uh it's it, it, he and and the way he said to her, he was like uh uh excuse me i i, I got business inside like she yeah. threw him off like yes she did i don't he think he was expecting that. her to flirt with him and then when she did he was just like oh wait what and then you heard what he said. He was like, I'll talk to you later, princess. Oh, okay. Girl. Okay, talk to me later. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this that is whole the ship. Cracked me up. Girl, I was like, this is the ship I did not know I needed until I saw this scene. Like, it was awkward as hell, but it was so fun to watch because princess yeah. in and of herself is just kind of she's not necessarily awkward like she she says what's on her mind whether it's appropriate to say or not and then because she was by herself for so long before Ezekiel Eugene and Yumiko found her she doesn't really know how to interact with people the way quote-unquote normal people would right she's still kind of getting used to being around people I mean think about it when we met her she was in a major city by herself with walkers as props right and she did this to kind of keep herself coming right so she's still trying to get used to being around people but girl i'm sitting here i'm looking at this in the background and the way he's kind of looking down and looking up at her and he's like no problem just making sure (laughs) you know just returning your property princess and with the raised eyebrows and everything i was like okay he was was throwing them signals out He's throwing them, throwing them. I was like, come on, princess girl, go on and get your dark chocolate because um, I'm here for it. Yes, he was throwing it. He threw, He may as well have had it in the bag and just threw it in the bag. Like, 
take all this i'm giving girl, you and girl. then he was like was there anything else like he was asking her like he he was putting it out yeah he was he was putting it out was there anything else and she was like yeah you have really beautiful eyelashes and girl when he that closed blink. his eyes i'm gonna start blinking like that from now like all the time in my blink now <laughs> was priceless. Can't wait I to see it. where that goes. I can't. I absolutely Girl. cannot wait. Yeah, they they need to go on ahead and make that happen. You know, it's gonna take him a long time to get his suit off, though. <laughs> no, mm-mm, mm-mm. you know, <laughs> well, they gonna long time to get that suit off, <laughs> or maybe not. She may she yeah. may help him with that. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too, honey. Because I'm trying to think, like. You know, it's a show about walkers and dead people. So we don't really get a lot of romance and we don't get a lot of sex in it, which is cool. But every once in a while, you kind of want to see it. And I'm not talking about that Negan Alpha stuff that I need to like burn my eyeballs from. When was the last time we even saw that kind of intimacy on the show? Was it when Rick and Michonne were in the van scavenging for Negan? because i can't think of anything past that there really aren't any other couples on the show there were couples but we never like we're getting with this because you know you have father gabriel and rosita but you don't see them you know pda and then flirting they're not going to show us a lot of that just because father gabriel has that collar on now now that he has declared that god is no longer here we might see a little bit different but i don't I don't anticipate seeing that because it's like they are one of those couples where we didn't get to see that build up. It's like we left one season and we came back another season and they were a couple and it was weird. And not only that, they were our couple, but we see during that same period, Eugene was trying to get with her. And then we find out just kind of off chance, oh, off screen in between seasons, she and Sadiq had a thing and now she's pregnant. So we don't really get to see that with, I think, I really think Rick and Michonne in the van when they were scavenging, I think that's the last time we actually saw like a real like sex scene on the show. Might be. And that was what, season seven? Season eight? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're about due. We know, about due. We, because think about it, we did we didn't really see a lot of that in the show anyway. We saw Maggie and Glenn a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We saw Rick and Michonne a couple of times. Um, I'm trying to think of the other like Rosita and Abraham. We saw Rosita and Abraham, but we never saw like Abraham and Sasha. We never saw Aaron and Eric. We never saw Tara and Denise. We never saw, um, you know, and those were the like the Enid and Alden, right? And even though Enid and Alden were kind of new, um, we've seen what one scene with Ezekiel and mm-hmm. Carol, but you know, well, okay, well, they were after the Rick and Michonne thing, but we didn't really see. It wasn't like the Rick and Michonne thing because Rick and Michonne in that van, I was like, oh, okay, y'all just gonna give it to us, like, hey. oh, okay, okay. We didn't really get that with Carol and Ezekiel either. So, yeah, we're about due for some Walking Dead sex, you know. So, yeah, if it has to be Princess and Mercer, I'm I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for it. But, (laughs) But, look, 
let's get away from the dirty talk and go to something that's like more family friendly. Okay, sure. (laughs) Let's talk about this bakery because when Yumiko approaches this bakery and I'm looking at, I'm like, this is really weird because it's so, it's so old timey, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's clean and, and everything is laid out perfectly. It's just being in this commonwealth it's kind of like shell shock because you're going from the gritty griminess of a scene with Negan and Maggie trying to, you know, they're still traipsing through the woods and they find this, this ramshackle house that is a safe house. And then you go into this scene with Yumiko going into the bakery and it's such a contrast because you go from dark and gloomy to this bright, Mm -hmm. um, you know, vivid colors, the, the red paint and the pastel colors on the cupcakes and it's just so different. And I was looking at this bakery and I was like, um, yeah, I want to eat everything there. Okay, first of all. At least that's how I would be if I was Yumiko. You've been surviving on who knows what, you know, game and mm-hmm. mushrooms and whatever else they may have had to eat. And mm. you walk in and there's all of this sweet stuff. First of all, I need to know how they're making the sugar. Because, you know, sugar is long gone from this world. It's been 11 years. I'm sure the sugar has been very well scavenged. So they, they use, where are you uh, getting all of this stuff and the and the flour and the icing? I just, I need to know. It's not important, but it's important for me as someone who loves sweet. <laughs> I just need to know. When the end of the world we, comes, where do exactly, I find sugar? Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's, that's the whole thing I'm saying. Where would we find sugar? That's Girl. good. We're we going to have to, I'm going to have to Google. We'll, we'll have answers next week. Because mm-hmm, I'm sure mm-hmm. if they're in, because it was what, in D.C.? Ain't no sugar canes up there. I don't know. So we'll see. But anyway, so Yumiko comes into this bakery. And at first, we don't know why she's here. We do know in, that in the scene before, she did tell the young guy that she was looking for someone. Now, knowing what we know about her brother, her brother is a surgeon. So it was confusing me, like, why is she in a bakery? Why did she go there? Right. And of course, this is where we find out her brother is there. You know, the one of the bakers comes out and he says, you know, he was like, can I help you? And she's like, I'm looking for someone. And then there's a guy who comes out the other side and he said, hey, boss, this cake's re- um, already frosted. Should I? And then he looks and he just looks at her and she looks at him and there's just this, this kind of look of, oh my God, on their faces. And she's like, hi, Tommy. And he just drops the cake. Like, I'd have been pissed. Like, what the? Yeah. I, think sweet. He, I think he could be forgiven. I mean, think about it. It's this been one 11 time. years. This one time. Right. I mean, it's been 11 years. And then if we think about Mm -hmm. the conversation they had, they probably hadn't seen each other since before the world fell. So who knows how long it's been? Because I get the impression that as siblings, they care about each other, but I don't think they were especially close. Right. It kind of gave off the vibe like Yumiko was the big sister. He was the younger brother. And she was the type that or maybe not, maybe not just her, but their parents were the types that probably made him be a surgeon because that's what they wanted to do. Like when you have, you know, parents who kind of um, 
forge your own path for you that that's what you kind of do and I know that I know that that's um you know that's kind of sort of the way it is in Asian households anyway as well like you Mm -hmm. have to be this and you have to be that and you have to excel and you have to be in these you know that sort of thing and it's weird because as they're talking he's telling her about you know that they're going through the whole you've changed so have you and you know they they try to get a little background she's like how did you even find this place and so he he's telling her a little bit of his backstory he said he fled Chicago when things first started going bad and then he says after I left you that voicemail which I'm like what voicemail but I guess that might be something that comes up again final season we'll find everything out. that's kind of suspect I'm looking mm-hmm. at like okay so why why would you reference it in that way like you're saying that voicemail like we're supposed to know what voicemail he's talking about she's never mentioned a voicemail like she's never said oh this was the last time I heard from my brother you know what I'm saying so it's gonna come up again I was gonna I say we we're gonna find out right so they don't they don't yeah. introduce little stuff and then just leave you you know uh, wondering right. right so you know he tells her that you know i got in the car headed west ran out of gas about 20 miles from here and was lucky enough to link up with some good people and that's how we got it you know that's how we got here so he's been in commonwealth for a the while. entire time yeah. the entire time so he probably has not seen even a quarter of the horrors that his sister has seen nowhere near because when they was talking and she she was like he was like you an archer (laughs) like an archer okay right and i mean think about it when we first met yumiko they were fleeing from wherever they were being run over by Mm -hmm. a horde Mm -hmm. so i i think it's interesting because he says that the commonwealth started as a few secure blocks And then it's been expanding a little bit at a time ever since. So this again makes me think that they are probably looking for people that can help them with that expansion, which is probably where our group is going to come in. Because if you're still trying to make it safer and trying to expand and, you know, that sort of thing, you're going to need people who can get that done. But the other thing Mm -hmm. I want to know is because we've seen like, We've seen the train cars that kind of outline the property, but how are they keeping it secure? How are they keeping the walkers from coming in? Like, did they build walls? Right. Of course, we know they have a military presence or we know they have some kind of law enforcement presence. So we know that they are probably heavily guarded and that sort of thing. But I just want to know for things to be that, like the people who are walking around in the Commonwealth as we watch the episode They have no concerns at all. You know, like even our people, when the wall was up and things were not necessarily safe, but they had a system, especially once Rick and his group got to Alexandria, you know, with Sasha on the walls, manning to make sure that no walkers got in, they were still always kind of sort of on guard, you know? And I had to think about that because we talked about this on the other podcast that I used to do sci-fi party line when we covered the walking dead, you know, one of the things we always joked about was the fact that, you know, Alexandria, they kind of lived in a bubble, you know, they didn't know about what it was like going outside and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And then of course, Rick and his group gets Mm -hmm. there and then all hell breaks loose. But when you think about it realistically, 
Rick and his group mm-hmm. coming in, that's more people added to the mix. It changes the dynamic of the group and of the community as a whole. Not only that, you have more people, right. you're making a little right. more noise. The vibe is different. You have more children now. You you know, it's just things change. So of course, that probably would have attracted more walkers to the community. Right. You know, so I'm just sitting here thinking about all of that stuff and just trying to figure out how the. But then we have to remember that the reason that Alexandria, remember they found that it was like a gorge where the trucks had blocked all the walkers in, which is why we realized they didn't get a lot of walkers in their area because this truck thing kept them in, but one Mm -hmm. of the trucks Mm -hmm. fell. So that's another reason, you know, they, they didn't get it. We, you know, we didn't find that out till later, but. That was another reason they didn't right. have a lot of, you know, uh, Walker experience Walkers. because, mm-hmm. you know, that y'all had y'all had this safety net that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> but once that right. safety net right. was gone, um, yeah, you know, they lost a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. They did, but you know, it just makes me wonder, like, how is the Commonwealth thriving in the way that they are? And I know we're, we're just being introduced to the Commonwealth. I'm sure we are going to see a lot more about the Commonwealth, but it's like, those are the questions that stick in my mind right now. Right. Like, how is it staying so safe and so pretty? And it's, like I said, you have 50,000 people there. So it's not like you're being quiet. Right. I'm sure they're attracting walkers. Right. Unless they have, or ha- or- unless they have like, you know, you remember they had the train cars. Mm-hmm that were outside and then they remember they went through another train car to get into the commonwealth so right. maybe they have a common a commonwealth maybe they have a train car barrier you know with like like it would be a, like a moat in the middle so that they would have to get past the first set of cars it's kind of like our people did yeah. first they went into their first set of cars then they got to the second set that then let them into the community so yeah. they may that their military or police system may have it to where you know, they have this little moat area, you know, even though it's not filled with water, but like this moat area that separates yeah. the outside world. So, and and then in having that separation, depending on how far it is, that could help keep sound out too. That's, yeah. Unless That's they, true. you know, busting fireworks and, you know, normal city chatter, because you're not going to have, it would just basically be talking because you're not going to have cars. You're not going to have, you know, like cell phones going off. You're not going to have, you know, the regular noise that like we have now like we have yeah yeah so yeah. i i think that would be easy for them if, especially if they're expanding the way that they say that they are because they could always you know it could be that we're moving the train the, the outer row of train cars out a little further to expand our territory whereas that was smaller wondering. yeah where the like, smaller inside is still you know, our safe haven. And once we realize, okay, we've cleared this space here, we can move that second row out a little bit, you know, and slowly yeah, but surely, yeah. you know. Cause that's what I was thinking too. Like that has to be a lot of walkers that you guys are clearing mm-hmm. and keeping away. So I'm just, I'm just curious about how it all works for a community of that size, you know, right. and, and, and really, if you think about it, 50,000 people is not a lot. I mean, we live in Atlanta and there's like, what, several million people here? So 50,000 people is actually not a lot, but in this time, it, it's quite a bit. So I'm just, I'm just really curious at how they, um, 
how they pulled that off. But, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more about their methods, you know. I'm sure. But going back to uh, Yumiko and her brother real quick, when he's telling her about how he found the place and she's looking at him, she was like, and you've just been here the whole time, just baking cakes. And he's not reading anything into her expression, not on that sense. But I kind of, the way she said it, I felt like she was, I don't want to say upset, but I feel like she was kind of maybe jealous. Like you've just been behind these walls safe the whole time, just living your happy life, not having to, <laughs> not having to live up to anybody else's expectations, not having yeah. to fight to survive. I, I felt a little bit of that comment and also in the way her facial expression when she said it, it was just kind of like, yeah, like, like, so you just been here the whole time, just chilling, chilling. <laughs> baking cakes you're a surgeon but you're baking cakes right something about that when she said it and he was looking he was like please not now and she's like he didn't tell them he was a surgeon right he did not tell them which is gonna be interesting because she mentioned it when she got them to get her through processing so that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting because when she mentioned it he was like please not now miko he was looking around like oh my god who heard you say that you know right And his whole thing is, he was like, you're still trying to run people's lives, huh? I'm not trying to start anything. I just want the best for you. Chick, he been here for 10 years, living his best life. He knows what's the best for him. Right. He's fine. Right. You know? And like he says, he was like, when was the last time you saw me happy, truly content? And she was like, I can't remember. Maybe never. Maybe right now. He's like, I like my life the way it is. It's the one gift I got out of the world falling apart. Can you imagine the world having to go to shit in order for you to be truly happy? What does that say for the world that was left behind? (laughs) You know, like, wow, everybody had to be zombies in order for you to be happy. And then he follows up with, please don't ruin this for me. So yeah, it's about to happen because like you said, she mentioned the fact that he was a surgeon when she was getting processed. Matter of fact, I'm going to venture a guess that that's one of the reasons why she got the letter that she did. So she could seek out her her brother brother and they can figure out who he is. Mm. I bet you that's what it was. These people shady. Now granted, again, (laughs) they probably do want her because of what she did. But you mentioned that somebody is a thoracic surgeon. You think they don't need spine mm-hmm. doctors in the apocalypse? So, mm-hmm. yeah. That probably could boost him up better and give him a better life there. But that's if he the was thing. So, to a baker. it's kind of like if he wanted that better life, I'm sure he could have taken it. But think about the hospital situation in Atlanta when Beth was captured. You know, when she got sick and she had to kind of work off her treatment or when she got captured and she had to be she wasn't sick Mm -hmm. but you remember she was hurt and she was almost attacked by those walkers and she was found Mm -hmm. they took her back they treated her and so she had to work off her her treatment think about the doctors there and how kind of cutthroat it was and you know how Mm. they really they really Mm. didn't have a life for themselves like they were so busy working on saving people and keeping that whole system in place. 
So maybe, maybe that would be the case here too. Like yeah. doctors, I'm pretty sure would be in high demand, especially zombie apocalypse. You got to figure, you know, they probably want people figuring out if they can cure these people, how they can, you know, fix things or whatever. And then you again, we don't know nothing about the Commonwealth. They could be doing some shady shit like the CRM, you know, running trials mm-hmm. and they could be doing that. He's probably I, like, I was yeah, just you know about what? to say I that. I don't want no part of that. I'm gonna go over here and bake my cakes and be happy. No part. I was gonna say that he'd rather be the the pie guy than be tethered and stuck, you know, essentially right, in exactly. some position that he don't even want. But because you're knowledgeable and you're valuable yep. in this community. They're like, hey, you don't want to be no damn surgeon. If you don't get over here and surgery people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you don't get over here and, and practice mm. medicine. <laughs> yeah. So he already right. knows that, that that's his fate. If and, and, and that could be a, a forewarning. Like, nah, you don't want these people to know, mm-hmm. you know, you are who you are. You can do what you do because in that is something way more than the bakery guy. You know what I mean? The bakery guy, anybody think about the bakery guy. He makes us cupcakes and cookies and nobody's thinking about him. Thinking no about responsibility. The man. <laughs> ain't nobody thinking about the muffin man. So, right. but if you're the surgeon man, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You know, we have these sick people and then from there, Oh well, maybe if he's a surgeon, maybe we can figure out a cure. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time for that. But you know what? I have a feeling that. too that that that's probably about to be some leverage because again, Yumiko is off finding her brother. While she's been mm. doing that, her three companions have gotten themselves into a little legal trouble. So already that might wait, but what? Wait, this is my thing. Why uh Princess and Ezekiel get arrested? They weren't up there on the thing. I, I'm guilty by association. Well, because here's the thing, they were they were in the same place, so you know they were acting as lookouts. Mercer is not stupid. <laughs> so he knows they were probably working as lookouts. Now here's the thing. Uh-huh. They of course said that they had an attorney, and I know they were thinking Yumiko, but Yumiko may get pulled into that as well because they're probably going to be like oh you knew they lied and you knew they were doing this or whatever because of course Eugene used the radio to call back to Alexandria so right if the commonwealth did use Yumiko to try to flush out her brother who is this surgeon that they have absolutely no knowledge of they're probably going to leverage that well will get your sister and her friends out of their legal predicament but you have to come and be a doctor mm. i'm just saying it could happen mm. it could happen or you Nicole, has to be a lawyer to work it off well but i mean she was probably going to do that anyway but of course she what they weren't planning on staying so yeah that might be something that they do or that may be something that she can bargain with too. Okay, I'll stay here and help you do this, but you have to give my friends asylum. You have to let us bring our people in and guarantee them safe passage. That might be a bargain with right. you too. Right. Again, there's so many ways that this can go because we still don't right. really know what the Commonwealth is about. 
Right. So that's true. But we'll leave the common wealth alone for right now because we have other areas that we need to talk about. Namely, um, let's go back to Alexandria. So of course, in Alexandria, like we said, they have this issue with the walls not being secure. They've already had some walkers breach the walls, come into the community. And so now they really have to try to figure out how to strengthen these walls, how to, how to rebuild the wall back up and how to, you know, how to keep everybody safe. And so they decide that they need to go to Hilltop to try to see if there's any of the blacksmithing tools left behind. And remember, we talked about Hilltop last week. We were like, okay, are they going to have to go back to the Hilltop? Because we saw the Walker mask and they were going down the stairs. And I was like, that looks like the cellar that was in Hilltop. You did say that. You said so, it. You called it. Yep, I did. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to... I didn't think we were going to actually find more whispers, but... Okay! So anyway, what happens is... But this is a good thing they got Lydia, because she was like, uh-uh, that ain't normal. <laughs> right. Uh, they, don't, they don't supposed to do that. Yeah. So what happens <laughs> is Aaron, Jerry, Lydia, Carol, and Rosita, they decide to go to Hilltop to try to find some of the tools that might have been left behind. Um, and then, you know, also try to hunt and see if there's anything left because they haven't been near Hilltop since it's been destroyed. And right. they have to start, you know, like Rosita said, if they can't make Alexandria safe, they might have to think of other options. And Aaron, at this point, he's being very, I won't necessarily say stubborn, he wants to fight for Alexandria. And we have to think about it. Aaron is the reason why our group even got to Alexandria in the first place. He was the one that found them, mm-hmm. brought them back and made them a part of this community. So this is home for him. We don't know how long he was in Alexandria before our group got there, but it's home for him. He doesn't want to leave. So he wants to fight right. for it. So of course they make this trip to go to the hilltop and I have to say, my heart was broken when they walked in because it was burnt out. But not only was it burnt out, you have the bodies that are on the ground and you have the walkers. And these are people that were in the community there and they're just still there. And so yeah, there's a bit of an emotional moment with them because they recognize these walkers that they now have to kill. And it just... For a minute, it's a bit much for them. Because, you know, I think maybe they knew that they were going to encounter a little bit of that when they got back to Hilltop, but I don't think it hit them until they actually started seeing people that they knew, you know, that they were like, oh, wait, that's this person and that's that person. Right. Oh, that's Troy and that's John and Paul. Right. And then that's when they see the walkers in the barn. And when they're looking at them, they're, you know, they're getting ready to go clear them. But when you look at them, they're all just staying in one spot. And then Lydia says the way that they're moving, they're being herded. And Aaron is like whispers. He's going over there. Look, they're all running over there like they about to fight. Because I think they were expecting a lot of whispers. And it turns out it was only one in this particular bunch. And it's a guy Mm -hmm. that Lydia says that she knows and they knock him down. They kind of take him. uh, 
I guess you can say they take them hostage, but of course they're questioning him about whether or not there are other whispers and who else is there. And I don't know, this guy was sketchy. Like, I didn't think that there were a lot of whispers, but something about his behavior was just a little off. And we know that whispers lie, especially the ones that weren't stronger, like the alphas and the betas and even even gamma for a while was kind Mm -hmm. of, I won't say she was uncaring or unfeeling because we see that she was affected by the death of her sister, but it was still kind of like she was trying to be tough and do what she needed to do. And this guy did not give off that same vibe, but he did give off the vibe that he was lying. Mm-hmm. So when they take him down to the cellar, he's like, no, don't go down there. And I was like, oh yeah, there's some more people down there. And of course they come, they come down to the cellar, they find a few more whispers and they look They do look kind of scared, but again, those whispers have been trained to lie. Okay. Lie, cheat, and steal. Right. And so as they're trying to give this dude the benefit of the doubt, Jerry finds Nubila's shawl in the cellar. And at first I was like, wait a minute, is Nubila dead? Because I was about, girl, what I tell you, I was about to be mad. Like, hold on, excuse me, when did that happen? But no, it just, I guess it just happened to be something that they took as they were going through rummaging or whatever. But yeah, some of these whisperers were in Alexandria and somehow they escaped from the herd. I don't know how, maybe because there were so many of the herd when they were going after them and, you know, of course, everything Mm -hmm. that happened with the war and everything, they probably took off. Hell you know, yeah, once, they did. Yeah, once it like came down to the water, they were probably like, nope, this is not what we signed up for, bounce. And they left. And of course, they probably went back to Hilltop because they're like, they're not coming back here. Mm-mm. It's burnt out. So they just, I guess they Mm-mm. figured they could just use that as a safe haven. But Aaron, at this point, Aaron is getting madder and madder. And he like... It's so weird seeing Aaron be this way because when we first met Aaron, Aaron was very soft-spoken. He was very gentle, you know? And it's like, now we see Aaron. Aaron got some size on him. He's got the the gruffness and he's got the, he's kind of got the spirit of someone who was battle-worn, mm-hmm. you know? And plus the fact he have a nightmare ain't helping. Exactly. So, you know, that make him extra paranoid. So anything, you know, I'm I'm seeing the thing that I've dreamt about. So now I can't do nothing in my dreams, but you right here, I can do something about this. Right. That's that's what that was. Yeah. And why he was trying to go so hard at him. I mean, we all knew he was lying, though, but, you know, still, when you, you know, so emotional and so connected to all the bad shit that happened because of a certain, you know, group of people. Yeah, you ain't trying to hear nothing they saying. Mm-mm, not at all. Because I mean, think about it. Aaron lost a lot mm-hmm. with those whispers. I mean, even before that, but you know, Jesus, Tara, Enid, these are all people that he were extremely close to, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, so at this point, he realizes that this guy has been lying. And while they're kind of discussing it after jerry finds the scarf the guy finds a knife that is hidden up under one of the baskets and he takes a swipe at aaron and in the confusion 
all of the other whispers and they're all I think most of them were like young girls or young women and I think there might have been one or two guys mm-hmm. but they all escape while they fight with this guy and then what happens is they take him back out to the barn and they string him up and Aaron literally starts torturing this guy for information He has him strung up and then Aaron has a walker attached to the end of a stick and he's kind of playing hungry, hungry hippo with this walker (laughs) and this whisperer. (laughs) And it was, like I said, it was, I understand Aaron's anger. I do. But again, this show is all about how far are you willing to go and how hard are you willing to fight to keep your humanity? to keep who you are and that's Mm -hmm. the one thing like Mm -hmm. there's a point where the guy keeps lying he keeps lying and Aaron actually tells Jerry to let the guy down a little bit enough to where his hands and his arms are down and he lets the walker bite this dude and I was sitting here looking at the tv like Aaron what the on the hand because when he was biting him on his I mean the dude has on like a denim jacket or something so when the walker's trying to bite at him it's not going through but then you know Aaron was like why did you lie to us and he was like because Alpha was right about you people you pretend you're better than the dead but dead is honest your friends are better off and that pisses Aaron off of course and that's when he lets the walker bite the dude's hand and Carol and Lydia are both looking at him in horror like what the fuck are you doing Aaron (laughs) and Aaron is about to you know he's about to let this dude die turn whatever you know he gets right in front of his his face he's like yeah the clock's ticking now do you feel better off now (laughs) and I was just like oh Aaron please don't become this person please don't become this person and Carol has to be the one to stop him and she's like look this is not a road you want to go down Mm -hmm. he's like they burned our home they killed our friends you know we had to do all of this stuff and basically that's what he's doing he's trying to find out if the whispers are still a threat and as he's trying to torture this guy a little bit more that's when Carol actually shoots the walker with a bow and arrow you know with a bow so that it dies and Aaron goes off on her and then that's when she's telling him you don't want to go down this road after Henry died revenge consumed me this hatred consumed me and I'm having to live with the consequences of that every single day mm-hmm. now you do not want this and I think if it had been anybody else Aaron probably wouldn't have understood but because it's Carol and he knows what she's mm-hmm. done and what she did I mean if you really think about it like he's talking about we're standing on the ashes of people that we loved they burnt this place down Carol had a hand in that if you think mm-hmm. about it trying to get back at Alpha she sent Negan mm-hmm. to join in and in order for Negan to not blow his cover when Alpha got ready to attack Hilltop he had to fall right. in line you know and it's it's sad they had to lose Hilltop in order to win against the Whisperers mm-hmm. and they're all paying the price for that but no no one more so than Carol and we've talked about this in the last couple of episodes you can tell Carol is weighed down by this heavy, heavy guilt. You see it in almost everything she does. She and Daryl are still not speaking because of the whole Connie thing, which we will get to in a moment. But, you know, Carol tells him, she was like, you have to let this go. 
you don't want this. You don't want it to take you down this path because you will end up hurting people that you care about. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think if it was anybody else, and I mean, even Jerry is listening to this at this point. And you can see the softening a little bit of both Aaron and Jerry because both of them are pissed at this point. And Carol is, I think, the only one that can talk them down. So they let the dude down and Aaron gives him a knife. He's like, look, I can either cut it off or you can cut it off. You, you know, you make the I wonder who cut it off because it it don't show that. (laughs) I don't know, but I do. I do know that he did cut the hand off, but I'm kind of wondering. I'm wondering, did they cut it off in time? Because it wasn't immediate. Like I said, Carol and Aaron had a whole conversation while Mm -hmm. this was going on. But anyway, so as they're getting ready to leave Hilltop and they, you know, they have their wagons and they pick up what little tools they can find. And the guy was, um, you know, after whoever cut his hand off, Lydia was bandaging him up. And she says, I'm sorry about all of this. And he says, no, I understand. After all his people have lost, if Alpha was here, it would have been worse. She would have mm-hmm. done worse. So after he says this, Carol gives him a bag of mushrooms and she's like, it's for you and the others. And he tells her, thank you for this. And thank you for what you said. He was like, some of us just wanted to survive. That's the only reason why they were with Alpha, which we already knew. Mm-hmm. So as they're getting ready to leave, Jerry is just looking at the guy and he tells them, he says, you guys don't think that we've changed, do you? And Jerry says, it's not for me to say. And the guy says, I can prove it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how? He says, we saw one of your people, the girl who came out of the cave where Alpha kept the horde and they all stop. And Mm -hmm. they're like, what? And Carol's like, what did you say? And he says, after the collapse, there were many, then there was two and then she was all alone. And when they asked if she was all right, he said she looked hurt, but she was alive. They're like, where was she? She was in the woods by the screaming cave. And then they're all looking like, do you think this is real? Aaron <laughs> says, what do you think? And Jerry says, I think it's a good mm-hmm. idea you didn't kill him. And so when Carol asked Lydia, she's like, do you know where he's talking about? And Lydia's like, yeah, it's not too far from Alexandria. Carol's like, oh, okay, let me put on this bag. Let me go. Let's, let's go. <laughs> like, she's ready to get on the road. And Aaron's like, no, it's going to be dark soon. We'll start at first light. Now, something tells me Carol is not about to listen and she's going to go looking for Connie. Maybe not, because like I said, I think Carol has learned her lesson, especially after the speech she just gave to Aaron. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's like, okay, we got to go. We got to go. We got to find her because if she can find Connie alive, that will alleviate so much guilt that Carol had. She can get her friend and back. She can go back to being badass Carol that we know. Right. But, um, and Daryl can yeah. forgive her and, and get, get off this that he, um, and we can have the BS. Yeah. We can have the BFF, uh, party back. So yes. I swear to God. Um, swear to God. I know. Okay, so before we move on to the Negan and Maggie stuff, we have to cover one more thing about Alexandria. And that is, you know exactly where I'm about to go. Girl, I wanted to beat that little boy up. Like you, where your mama? He is bad. Right. So Judith, Judith is out in Alexandria while they're trying to fix the wall. 
she's training some of the younger kids, which is really cute. But as she's training the younger ones, there are some older kids over by one of the holes in the wall and they are messing with one of the walkers trying to come through the wall. And it's so sad because it's a kid walker. I was just going to say that. It was a kid and they're teasing it, not in the same way that Lizzie used to, but they're literally like putting their hand in front of it and it's like trying to chomp at them and they're taking it back. So they're basically playing squirrel with with the kid walker, who, by the way, is none other than Mr. Gus Morgan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's son. Was it? That's who that walker was, yes. That's right, get your kids a check. (laughs) So while... The teenagers are playing with this walker. Judith notices what's going on and she goes over to the kids and she's like, hey, you guys stop that. That's dangerous. And they're like, we're just playing with it. And she tells them, you know, of course we have to remember in this, Judith is still a kid. You know, Mm -hmm. she's still like supposed to be maybe around 10, 11 years old in this show, I think. Right. So tells the teenager, she says, if you don't stop, I'm going to tell Rosita. And the boy pushes her down. He's like, shut up. You talk too much. No wonder your mom abandoned you. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you little fucker. (laughs) But girl, let me tell you. So my daughter doesn't watch the show anymore. She actually, she's one of those people who stopped watching it when Glenn got killed. But I show her clips now and then, especially of Judith. Mm-hmm. So when, when I saw this scene, I called her into the room. I said, hey, come watch this scene. And so I showed her the scene and she watched it all the way through. And she was like, tell me you got a black mama without telling me you got a black mama. Okay. Because let me tell you, Miss Judith, in my mind though, she channeled Carl perfectly. Facial expressions, the tilt of her head when she got up, you know, he was sitting there teasing. He was like, oh, she's such a baby. She must've gotten tired of all her whining. And when he turns back around, Judith has her sword at his throat. And she Say it again. like, Say, Say it again. again. I dare you. But the way she said it, I was like, if that is not baby Carl, yeah. <laughs> think about Carl when he was at the mm-hmm. prison. And he was angry all the time. She channeled she a did. little bit of him in this scene. And it was, it made me mad because I was like, we could have gotten the ultimate sibling duo out of those two. But I'm not going to go there. Y'all know how I feel about that. But so, yeah, she she's looking at him and she's like, I dare you. And Gracie comes over and she's like, Judith, don't do it, you know. Judith. And Judith just looks at him, and the way she looks at him, she turns her head and she looks at him like, you little bitch, <laughs> you little bitch. I'm gonna like, oh, stab you, you little bitch. Right. But then when she turns away and starts walking off, her face completely changes. And oh my God, when I tell you, I just wanted to reach through the screen and hug her. I know. And then later on at the house, these same teenagers are in her house and they done broke the shit got- up. They done broke the goddamn piece of wood that Rick had on the wall that had her and Carl's handprints. I was like, you know what? If these Get out my house. I was like, if these motherfuckers don't die before the end of this episode, I'm gonna come through and kill them because what? What? 
And she just dicks looked, coming over somebody's house paying up. Right. Like your mama don't teach you any home training. But then again, I forgot most of them probably don't have mamas at this point. But still, <laughs> girl, when I tell you these teenagers made me so mad in this episode because I was like, how dare you? Right. How dare you? And I just felt so bad for her because, you know, we're so used to looking at Judith and seeing that she's tough and that she can handle herself. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to forget she's still a little girl. And not only is she a little girl, she is a little girl who has lost her father, lost her older brother. Her mom is off who knows where searching for her dad who Mm -hmm. may or may not be alive. Michonne at this point, as far as she knows, may not be alive. And she has a little brother that she's trying to help take care of. That's a lot for a 10 or 11 year old. It is. You know? Definitely is. We're so used to seeing her being this tough that is, you know, we make jokes sometimes about Uncle Daryl taking care of her. But really, whenever we see Judith, she's always, for the most part, by herself. Like nobody's taking care of her. Mm Mm-hmm. So I really love the fact that we get to see this scene with her and Rosita because it's easy to forget. Rosita has been with Judith, not necessarily since the beginning, but close enough to the beginning. I mean, Mm -hmm. Terminus. When Carol rescued Mm -hmm. them from Terminus, that's how long Rosita has been in Judith's life. And, you know, she's one of the few people that Judith still has around from back in that time. You know, one of the few people that has actually watched her grow up. So to see her have this scene with her and to kind of tell her, you know, just a little bit about how she was when she was little. And she was like, oh, I remember when you when you made that and that sort of thing. I just I love that little scene because I feel like we needed it. We needed to see Judith be a kid. We needed to see her be able to cry to Mm -hmm. someone and to see someone taking Mm -hmm. care of her. And then also. I love the fact that when she asks Rosita about, you know, she tells about missing her family and she's like, does it get easier? And Rosita is very honest with her. I can't tell you that it is. I hate to say it, but no, it doesn't. And it's kind of in contrast to the episode before where the kids were talking about the grownups always tell you what they want you to hear, whether or not it's true. And Rosita, in this sense, she doesn't. But she also realizes that even though she's still a child, she's a child will be on her year. She done been through a lot. Right. You know, she was out there killing Walker side by side with her right, mama. Right, exactly. So it ain't like she's a, a, a RJ9. Because, you know, RJ, you know, he just be in the house. Right. You know, he, he, ain't, he ain't been in that world out there, been trained, you know, to fight and part of a war and, you know, all right. that. So, yeah, it's even though she's a, a child, it's still so much adult in her even at nine or ten or however she old she's supposed to be yeah but the other thing too is it hurts me like this is not the first time that we've heard judith say or voice the fear that she's going to start to forget her dad and her brother you know she said i'm starting to forget Mm -hmm. what they what they sound like she said that to michonne you know a couple of seasons ago and I thought about it. I was like, where the hell are those tapes Deanna made when they first came to the community? Because uh, matter of fact, wasn't even Rick holding Judas in that in his? I think he was holding her in, in one of hand. them, yes. Yeah. But I'm like, 
Yeah, who so knows? Them could be destroyed, tapes. but you're right. Because they're still in Alexandria. Remember, no, but remember, Negan was looking at them. Remember, because when he Negan, yes. Negan was looking at them, was like, "Ooh, I would have been afraid of that yes. guy." Yes. So yes, somebody mm-hmm. needs to find those because I'm sure they got Carl on something. Somebody needs to find them damn tapes and That's give true. them to that baby so she can remember her brother and her father's voices. Okay. I'm just saying. And her mama. I'm just, I well, but, but the thing is, she, of course, she's going to remember Michonne because she grew up with Michonne, but she was, and she just left. She was a toddler when Carl died. And she wasn't yeah. that much older when Rick died. Like she had to have been maybe four when Rick died. Mm-hmm. So, yes, y'all find them tapes and give it to that baby. Cause if not, I'm right gonna, now, cause I'm about to fight over Judith. Let me just tell y'all now. I am about right. to go with somebody's ass. What what is little boy at? You know what? I don't know. You ever watch Power? I don't watch Mm-mm. it, but I know who the, the little boy Tyreek is. And everybody talking about how bad he is and how bad he needs a whooping. That's we're gonna see that little boy with the curly hair out somewhere and be like, ain't you the little boy that was bullying you? Girl, beat him up. <laughs> gonna beat him up. Look, I look, I'm grown. I can't fight children, but he's a fictional child. I will fight him over Judith. Do you hear me? Yeah, which means in real life he's probably 20. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. but while judith and rosita are trying to fix this um this wooden stair that you know it has her and carl's handprints they hear a voice on the radio in this eugene and of course we talked about it earlier how eugene snuck into uh well we didn't talk in detail about it but basically eugene was trying to figure out how they can radio back home and stephanie helped him get into the communications tower to use the radio and this is why they got into stephanie not stephanie yeah i know oh excuse me stephanie not stephanie yes but um so he's able to radio through and rosita and judith just happened to be there so they get to talk to him for a little bit they find out that he's okay but they don't really find out where he right. is. You know, Rosita does tell him enough to let him know that, hey, the Whisper War is over. Alpha and Beta are dead, but Alexandria is trashed. We're starving and we need help. And of course, the signal starts to break up and we can't figure out what happens. But this is also after we see Mercer go into the train depot building. So we know that he probably messed with the frequency because it's not too long after that when Eugene is trying to raise them back on the radio and Mercer comes in and places Eugene under arrest for unauthorized use of government property. But at least they know he's alive. And like I said, maybe there's something they can do to get some help to Alexandria from the Commonwealth. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. But my poor baby Judith, I was so mad. This, oh gosh, them little boys made me so mad. When I tell my kids all the time, I fight kids. I fight kids. Like, I can't say I fight kids, but I, I can say I, I will do harm to a fictional child. Yeah, mm-hmm, because that's not real. And I won't get in trouble for saying that. Mess with Judith if you want to. I swear. Keep keep it up. Right. But um, I guess the last part we need to talk about with this episode is the whole uh, Maggie and Negan thing. Of course, you know, it's Maggie and Negan traipsing through the woods, killing walkers, trying to get to one of Maggie's safe houses so that they can try to wait for the others. And this is nothing but two alphas 
bumping heads. They was getting on my nerves. They was okay. So <laughs> here's the thing. Like, yeah, really. really? So Megan is steadily trying to convince Maggie, I'm on your side, but you're making the wrong decision. We need to do what's best for the community. And waiting for people who may not even be alive is not the best thing. Of course, they're bumping heads with this. And Negan has this thing. He was like, I just don't understand why you haven't put me down yet. You know? And then as he says this, she throws a knife at him and he ducks. And there's actually a walker coming up behind him. And she, you know, she tells him, she was like, you know, I ask myself that question every day. And she walks past him and he looks at her and he's just like, shit. Like, okay, you know what? I got to stop. Let me quit fucking with her. (laughs) Let me stop poking this bear. Let me just stop. But they find one of her safe houses. They go in and they're able to find, like, there's a few supplies in there. There's a gun that's kind of stashed. And again, Negan's suggestion is that they take what they find and they take that back to Alexandria. Of course, Maggie's like, no, there could still be some people safe. We told them that this is where we would meet. So we're going to stay here. And there's just so much tension between them. But the thing that kind of bothered me about this scene, right before Father Gabriel ends up coming in and kind of proving Maggie's point, Negan and Maggie are having this argument because it's towards the end of the day, right before it gets dark. And Negan starts packing up the canned goods that they have in his bag. And Maggie's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around to wait for those reapers to find me. And people back home are starving. We need to take this food and get it back. He was like, don't you remember? You have a son that's back there starving. She's like, don't you think I know that? Why do you think I'm doing this? But they get into this argument. They get into the shoving match. And at one point, the way that it's charged and the way that they're filming it, I was like, if y'all make these motherfuckers kiss, I'm turning off my TV and I will never watch another episode because that's that almost too. what it felt like. Like what? Yeah. That scene was so full of sexual tension. I was like, absolutely the fuck not. You better not think about putting Negan and Maggie <laughs> in that position. No. And I have actually seen online that there are some people who actually want that. What? Absolutely the fuck not. Well, if it was a Lifetime movie, you know, it'd be perfect. <laughs> this is not a Lifetime movie. This is The Walking Dead. Absolutely uh, the fuck You know, not. You know, life, Lifetime movies, you killed my husband, but you is kind of cute though. <laughs> no, no. But the thing is, it sucks because those two have so much chemistry on screen. If it was any other situation, put them back in the Batman movie and make them Martha and um, Thomas Wayne again and let them live. And yeah, we can do that. Be happy there. But in this sense, no. And I felt it so much in that scene. And I mean, that scene was so charged, I almost wanted to say, okay, yeah, I could actually see that happening. No, I don't want to feel that way. I do not want to, I absolutely do Let's not say, want to feel uh-uh. like that scenario uh-uh. could happen in any kind of way whatsoever. Absolutely not. Absolutely uh-uh. not. That's hilarious. But uh-uh. I, will uh-uh. this, I will say this, <laughs> they are playing the hell out of these characters and this and, and, and this whole 
situation for this season like the the Mm -hmm. tension that is these two characters being forced to work together even though you know they don't want to they're doing a hell of a job at Mm -hmm. it but uh uh-uh um y'all need to pump your brakes absolutely not no 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 but the one good thing that came out of this scene we did find out that elijah is alive because he walked in with father gabriel so that's good because like Mm -hmm. i said y'all can't bring somebody in as this little weapon ninja and make us be like oh who is that and then kill him a couple of episodes later i was gonna be real mad if he was dead so i'm glad he's alive so you want to hear a theory i heard online Uh oh yeah I got to stop delving into these stories, you know. Is it, anyway. that he, is it that he's one of the Reapers? Or- yes! Yeah. So you remember, you remember, I wondered if one of Maggie's group was a Reaper because of that Judas they came across in the forest. I wondered yes. that for real. Yes. I and he could, that. he very well could be. And that's why they're trying to get his ass. Because how you take my man? You know what I mean? Shoot, and Maggie didn't took somebody man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're probably because if he was one of the Reapers and he was a good one and he left to go be with this group, not saying that he's doing it under false circumstances, because I think he really does want to be with Maggie's group. But yeah, he may have been a Reaper at one point. Yeah, but then he saw Pope for what he was the same way Daryl just did. So he was like, nah, I'm not going to be no part of this. So I got to get out. And the same way they came back and got Leah and convinced her, he probably left and they like, no, we got to get him back. Okay. So I was thinking about that because right before we started recording tonight, I was actually editing that last episode that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it. You know, I was talking about how I felt like throughout the whole episode, Leah was kind of looking for a way out. Mm -hmm. I feel like when they came and found her that maybe she didn't want to go with them but because daryl had just left her she ended up going anyway or they may have forced her to go be like no you belong with us anyway mm. so i'm 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 really right. starting to wonder about that but yeah i just because if you think about it everybody else who was in maggie's group dead elijah mm-hmm being able to escape them coming right? out on the and, other and side they have of his game. weapons or they had his weapons so i have a feeling like he was able to get away from them because he knows how they think and if he was part of that military group with them he probably trained with them he probably mm-hmm. knows their strengths he knows their weaknesses and if he were in a situation where he got cornered by them, he probably would be able to get away. I really have a feeling that's probably what happened. Because remember, in the woods, he got snatched away. So how do you get away? I don't know. So, oh, and then, so the guy who's with Daryl must be Frost. Because when they were talking and they came back to the safe house, they were like, uh, where's Daryl and where's Frost? Oh, yeah. So the other, that must be the other guy who was in the cell Daryl was you know you don't know me and you know his name was Frost I know they've mentioned Frost a couple of times you know what you're right you are right because now I'm sitting here thinking about them being together in that meeting 
when Maggie was telling them about how Meridian got taken over and her saying, we need to go take it back. You're right. That is Frost. Mm-hmm. Okay. My job is done. <laughs> so yeah, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad that Elijah's alive. And again, they just proved Maggie right. Because Negan was so gung-ho about, okay, we need to go on ahead and leave. Nobody else is coming. And then literally here come Gabriel and Elijah through the door. And they're like, okay, we're going to wait. And Negan is right. like, oh, he's motherfuckers. <laughs> right. And, but I mean, at this point, he's outnumbered. So he just he just takes a seat. Because <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do right. at this point? What you can know? you do? And I think the thing with Negan is as difficult as this whole scenario is, I do think that he has some respect for Maggie because she is a good leader. I mean, Rick said this to her seasons ago. He told her, I'm going to be following you, you know? And I mean, think about it. She took the whole community of Hilltop without even trying because she's a good leader. Well, I mean, Gregory was incompetent as fuck too, but you know, she's a great leader. And she has good instincts. Now, what that's going to mean for Negan later on, I don't know, because I already told you my theory. I have a feeling that Maggie is going to end up, like, they're going to end up trusting each other because they have to to survive. But I feel like before all is said and done, Maggie is going to have to kill Negan. And it's not going to be because it's something that she wants to do. It's not going to be because of revenge. Mm -hmm. It's going to be for the benefit of Alexandria or it's going to be, I feel like, I I don't know. I feel like she's going to have to kill him to save him. Something of that situation. You know, maybe a walker gets to him and rather than have him turn, she puts him out of his misery or it's going to be some kind of situation like that. But I don't think if if she kills him this season, I don't think it's going to be out of revenge. I don't think it's going to be out of hate. I think it's going to be one of those where it's for the greater good. It's either he dies or the group as a whole or maybe Herschel or it's going to have to be one of those things. I don't think Negan. Gonna, I think Negan gonna make it to the end. You think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He can make it to the end. I won't mind, but if they put him with Maggie, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> they better not do that shit. They better not do that shit, especially considering that she has a son who is the son of the person that Negan killed. They better not do that shit. They better mm-hmm. not do it. Yes, sir. You got anything else to say about this episode? Because that is not the note I want to end. <laughs> I don't want to end thinking about Mac. Mm, mm, no. Mm-mm. Well, we can always go back to Princess and the chiseled Mercer. <laughs> I don't know, because Princess kind of in trouble with the chiseled Mercer right now. <laughs> that don't, that, whatever. I know. Whatever. He's going to be taking us. He's going to be taking us snacks to her sale. Yeah, especially considering what's his name was like, I'm going to find Mercer. So Okay, let me go get your little boyfriend. <laughs> right. Hold on to them handcuffs, Princess. <laughs> okay. Oh, on that note. <laughs> Ooh. A mess. A whole mess. Yeah, I you know what? As far as pairings go, no, I do not want to see a, a Negan Maggie thing, but I will I will sit here I'm and watch living Mercer for Princess. and Princess all day. I need to now, see that happen. And you know what? That's the shirt we're gonna have when we go to Nick and Norman's. I'm gonna find us some Mercer. We I'm gonna make us a Mercer motherfucking 
princess shirts. Oh, that's going to be so great. So yeah, that's uh, going to be. Yeah, Casey I'm making and that. I are going back to Nick and Norman's on October, October 3rd. 3rd. And we're going to do one of the, um, I think we're going to do one of the walking tours because we haven't done an official tour mm-hmm. of the area. We just go and because we know where a lot of the places were filmed and I, Casey finds out everything because she <laughs> work in Griffin, which is one of the cities that they did a lot of their filming in. Mm-hmm. So we we would go on scenic routes headed to the restaurant or headed to the area and she'd be like oh yeah they shot this scene here and so we're going to actually do an official walking tour when we Mm -hmm. go on October 3rd so that should be fun Mm -hmm. Um, we are hopefully we're trying to plot some kind of way so that we can get tickets to Talking Dead at some point next spring and we're going to fly to LA and try to go to this show because yes. I want to go at least once before The Walking Dead ends. So yes, I need to put that on my vision board for 2022. Girl, yes, let's do that. We yes, are trying I'm to ready. figure it out. So, because but, um, but even but even though The Walking Dead is ending, The Talking Dead is still gonna be around because we got two other shows. Yes, so we we we, we we gonna make it. Matter of fact, uh, Walking Dead World Beyond comes out. October October 3rd, 3rd. which is the same day that we're going. And then two weeks later on the 17th, Fear the Walking Dead comes back. And Casey is going to be caught up on Fear the Walking Dead by October 17th. She absolutely is. We're hoping that way. But you know, Casey, Casey's schedule is a little bit um busy on Sundays now because she got a whole son that's playing in the NFL right now (laughs) so I'm I'm traveling so she's traveling but my Sundays used to belong to the dead now they belong to football (laughs) yes but that's okay that's okay you're cool you can you can multitask I sure can so yep but um so yeah so hopefully Casey's gonna be caught up on fear the walking dead so we can do at least a season six recap before we go into the new season mm-hmm. um because i really want to hear what she has to say about seasons five and six um those were the seasons that like i said i fell off season three and then decided to rewatch it and i was like okay season four was better season five and six i absolutely loved even though s- season six ripped my heart out so I can't wait until Casey watches this so we can talk about it. And then, of course, you know, we covered World Beyond last year. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to do so this year. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see how these worlds are going to play off of each other because we know that they're not going to actually interact, but there are going to be some things that refer to the other shows. They have to be because at this point, we've seen the CRM in all three shows mm-hmm. now. and jadis hello so yes we haven't talked about the trailer jadis shows up at the very end of the season two trailer for world beyond with a worse haircut than she had in the regular show (laughs) absolutely that's somebody who does not care about their hair shave it off (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. she is in CRM gear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. 
we are definitely going to be covering that we hope you will join us for that ride but as for now that's it for our show you can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com we are on social media on facebook instagram and twitter at fandom hybrid you can listen to the fandom hybrid podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms including amazon music and audible to which we were just added so thanks for listening we hope you join the conversation next time